The most important thought that you will ever think is what you think about God, because it will determine every aspect of your existence. These are the words that I heard as I entered into one of my Doctrine of Christianity classes back at Dallas Theological Seminary. I won't repeat how many years ago because it makes me feel quite old. But it was interesting because this was a class that I was excited for. I had heard that it was an amazing class taught by Dr. Jeffrey Bingham. I couldn't wait to get a better foundation on some of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. I couldn't wait to dive in. But what I remember of the class that day is this. I had arrived early. I was getting ready to take some notes and engage into the class. And there was no professor. Time came, and it was time for the class to start, and time went into about five or ten minutes. We started to wonder if this was going to be a class or if the professor wasn't around, but we had all known that we had seen him earlier that day on campus, so we decided to sit and wait a little bit longer. Sure enough, a few minutes later, he walks into the room, and we are expecting, obviously, to dive into the material for the class that we were about to take. He simply walks in and says the following words, the most important thought you will ever think is what you think about God, because it will determine every aspect of your existence. And the same awkward pause was how he began that class. Reflecting upon that statement over the years, it is probably the most profound verbiage that I have ever heard from someone to begin teaching a class on Christian doctrine. And so this morning, friends, I want to ask you, what do you think about God? Is he just a good person to you? Is Jesus just someone who is an interesting story? Is he someone who is a good moral teacher, has good ideas, good thoughts, good things to do? Is he someone that makes you a better person because you're already doing well? Is he a moral coach? Is he someone that can give you a better life? Is he a prophet among many? Is he a God of gods that we just put into a spiritual repertoire? Or friends, is he the great I am, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth? This morning, friends, we celebrate Easter. It is the quintessential piece of the Christian faith. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the grave. We have a blessed hope, and without it, we would have nothing. And so this morning, I ask, and we're going to look at the following question. Why do we celebrate Easter, and why is the resurrection so important to our faith? Friends, the most important thought you will ever think is what you think about God, because it will determine every aspect of your existence. 
It's interesting because within the realm of what we call Christianity, there are individuals who would come forward and say, we worship Jesus. We celebrate who Jesus is. We think he's a wonderful individual, but we deny the resurrection. We do not believe in its importance. We do not believe that it is core to the Christian faith. And friends, lovingly, I come before you and I say again, the most important thought that you will ever think is what you think about God. Because it will determine every aspect of your existence. Interestingly enough, I'd like to start with this. It's a passage that Paul writes out of 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 17. But if Christ, or sorry, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But if He did not raise Him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And friends, you are still in your sins. The most important thought you will ever think is what you think about God. Because it will determine every aspect of your existence. If you have your Bibles with me, I would ask that you would turn with me. We're going to look at the resurrection account of what we celebrate this morning. We're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. The words will also be up on the screen. And this morning, we're going to look at the resurrection. We're going to see the truth behind it. We're going to realize the hope that we have. But also, friends, we're going to recognize that it is the absolute quintessential piece to our faith. We have no resurrection. We have no hope. And as Paul has said, if we have no hope, then we are still in our sins. Friends, this morning, what I want to share with you is this, is yes, Jesus is a wonderful individual. And perhaps by coming to Jesus, you have a better life. But Jesus' purpose in all that he did was not to give us a better life. It was to give us life because we are dead in our sins. And friends, had Christ not gone to the cross, then we would not have had his death. But also, friends, if Christ had remained in the grave and not risen from it, we would have no hope. And that's what we celebrate this morning. That's why we rejoice. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead, his triumph over sin and death, and the fact that when we place our faith and trust in him, we can have the gift of eternal life. Again, we read the account of the resurrection from Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. 
The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Friends, it's interesting because oftentimes individuals will deny the deity of Jesus. They will come forward and they will say, Oh, he was a good person. He was a great moral teacher. Others will come forward and say, we will give that perhaps he was a prophet among many. Others might even concede that, oh, he was a God among other gods. But many will deny that he indeed is the Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords, God in the flesh. Some will do so. But then they will move forward and they will say, sure, Jesus was this person, but he did not rise from the grave. And friends, what I'm here to tell you this morning is, is what we celebrate is core to the Christian faith, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the grave to give us hope. Hope because without him we are dead in our sins. That's what we celebrate this morning. I want to encourage you. We're going to look at the resurrection. We're going to see how core it is to our faith. We're also going to look at how real and how true it is. We're going to look, essentially, as we go through this account, to the many ways of how Jesus demonstrated to many, indeed, that he had risen from the dead. Individuals have come forward and postulated that perhaps so many people were so distraught over the death of Jesus that in their distraughtness they became hallucinogenic and they theorized or thought that perhaps they had seen this Jesus. Others have said that it was some plot put by many that Jesus never really died that perhaps somehow, some way, he was able to slow his body down and essentially place himself into a catatonic or coma-like state. And at the proper time, after all the trickery was done, he was able to, quote-unquote, revive himself. Many have come forward and say that there was some prehistoric air tank that was in Jesus' tomb and that he was able to breathe from it for 36 hours. Friends, that's what's out there. And what I'm here to tell you this morning is that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is a true account that can be factualized and evidenced by the story that we read right here. And why is that so important? 
Because what I want to tell you again, if Jesus has not come being fully God and fully man and gone to the cross and died upon it as an atonement or payment for our sins, we would not have a Savior. But also, friends, had Christ not risen from the dead, we would have no hope. Let's take a moment. I want to show you in this story, first and foremost, I want to show you the visual evidence of Christ's resurrection from the grave. We're going to particularly look at verses 1 through 4 and sort of see why this is so important. After the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Don't miss this. Who are these two people? Are they male or female? Female. That's very important in the account of what's going on. I'll explain that in just a minute. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Friends, you have two women and the guards that were sent to Jesus' tomb. Now, why were guards sent to Jesus' tomb? Because people thought that there was a conspiracy theory. People thought that somehow some trickery had occurred. We read in Scripture that guards were sent to make sure that they weren't doing a bait and switch, that they didn't have another actor out there to portray some form of resurrection. But interestingly enough, what we see is the appearance of the angel demonstrating the triumph of Jesus over sin and death and his resurrection to two women and the guards. Now, friends and ladies, please don't get upset with me. If you were wanting to concoct a story, you've already blown it. Because in the day of Jesus, testimony was validated by the witnesses of two men, not two women. And yet what we read is that the first people to see were who? Two women. If you're concocting a story, if you're wanting to make it sound better, if you're wanting to polish its truth, if you're wanting for more people to quote-unquote believe a fable, the best way to do that is to erase that fact out and say that Bill and Joe or Peter and Paul went to see Jesus. Not Mary and Mary. Two women who had no authority to make that claim. And yet, that's the story that is there. You want to make a fable, you want to make it sound better, the first thing you do is edit that fact out. The other thing that's interesting is this. We see, at the time that it is as predicted back in prophecy. 
Don't miss this, because what we need to recognize is, sure, two women go to see Jesus, and that he has risen from the grave. But what if it was Tuesday of the next week? What if it was Wednesday? What if it was Thursday? What if it was five days? What if it was six days, and they decided to see that Jesus had risen from the grave? Friends, centuries earlier, Hosea the prophet in chapter 6, verse 2, says this, The third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Looking at how the calendar works of that time and day, Jesus rises from the grave as was predicted centuries earlier by the prophet Hosea and others. Don't miss that fact as well. Because Jesus, if this was a concocted story, could have risen from the grave at day two. Or perhaps he could have risen from the grave at day four, five, six, or seven. But he rose from the grave as was predicted and as he had stated to the people around him. He says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Two women, timing perfect. Jesus shows visual evidence for the resurrection from the grave. But not only do we have visual evidence of Jesus' resurrection from the grave, we have the verbal evidence of Christ's resurrection from the grave. As we continue on, we look in this story, and we see in verses 5 through 8 the following words. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. We know he was crucified. We know he is dead. He is not here. He has complete, final, done, no more need, finished, accomplished event. Don't miss that. He has risen, final, done, accomplished, period, 100%. It's not he is rising, he's somewhat risen, he's sort of stirring, he's kind of coming out of a coma, He's sort of there. He's catching his breath. He has risen. Final. Just as he said. Don't miss that fact. Not only has Jesus risen, final, done, period, 100%, but the angel is there to declare he has risen, final, done, declared, 100%, but also just as he said. Why? Friends, right there, when the angel says just as he said, he is validating that Jesus is indeed the Messiah because he has answered all of the prophecy that is needed to be so. He's not one of many. He's not one of a multitude. He is the risen Savior. 
He's risen, just as he said. But whatever you do, don't go to the tomb because we're still cleaning up the conspiracy. He's risen, just as you said. Come and see the place where he lay. Come and look for yourself. Come and investigate. Come and look. Come and demonstrate that he is risen. Because we have nothing to hide. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Friends, don't miss this fact. We're looking at this account just in Matthew, but we read the other account in the Gospels as well, that they had the opportunity to go to the tomb, to look in it, to stare in it, to see what wasn't there. The risen Savior. And then the next thing is, is, well, sure, that's true, but I don't know about you. We've seen that in hard events, challenging events, traumatizing events, individuals can become so traumatized that they hallucinate what is an altered reality. So, Mary and Mary were so traumatized that they hallucinated this event. Well, what about the next event? What about the next time that Jesus appeared? What about the next time that Jesus appeared? What about the 500 people that saw Jesus rise from the grave? Friends, forgive me, but that must have been some crazy hallucinogenic drug. Or perhaps... Indeed, Jesus rose from the dead and is our Messiah. Daryl Bach speaks about this. He says the Gospels are not about a great religious teacher. They are about a great, unique deliverer whose appearance represented the claim of the dawn of a new era. They are not about one prophet among many. They are not about a human being claiming to have received unique authority to give forgiveness and new life from the very side of God. Excuse me, they are about a human being claiming to have received unique authority to give forgiveness and a new life from the very side of God. Jesus' resurrection showed that he was about the hope of life, not the power of rejection and death. In resurrection, God had cast his vote in the dispute in favor of Jesus. Friends, essentially what's going on here is Daryl Bach is saying that the resurrection is key to our faith. One of the things that I would tell you is simply this. 
Without the cross, we don't have the ability of the resurrection. The cross is key. Without the cross, we do not have the resurrection. But friends, without the resurrection, we have no hope. I'm not minimizing the cross that Jesus was on, but hundreds, if not thousands, were crucified in the same manner that Jesus was. But only one rose from the grave three days later, just as he said. Friends, we see visual evidence of Christ's resurrection from the grave. We hear the verbal evidence of Christ's resurrection from the grave. But also, friends, we discover the physical evidence of Christ's resurrection from the grave. We continue on this story, and it says, essentially in verse 7, Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So future event. They've seen him. And then you will go to Galilee and you will see him again. And so will others. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy to run and tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. The disciples, seeing Jesus, and they were so high on whatever it was that they were going like this, thinking that they saw Jesus. They came to him clasped his feet and worshipped him. The word here, clasp, in Greek means clasp, grab, seize, take hold of, or establish control. They saw him, and they came, and they clasped him. Physical, real, true. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And they see him again. And they clasp him again. And they know him again. And friends, as we look, as the story continues, we discover that over 500 individuals saw Jesus. in the same manner that is reported here. They had visual evidence, they had verbal evidence, and they had physical evidence. 
How many of you are fans of science? I see a few hands being raised. Walter and Jim Martin, in Through the Windows of Heaven, say the following. Science says, if there is any such thing as infallible proof, it is the repetition of the same experiment. How many of you remember being back in science, recognizing that if you were to discover something and you could repeat it, then there was evidence that that is the manner of what is there. Repetition of the same event. Jesus rose from the dead, and Mary Magdalene encountered him. That is experiment one. The women encountered him. That is experiment two. The disciples encountered him. That is experiment three. The apostles encountered him. That is experiment four. 500 people saw him after the resurrection. That is experiment five. Each one of these is the repetition of the same experiment. They all encountered the same phenomenon. What was it? He was alive. And that is what has changed the history of the world. Friends, this morning we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the fact that we have a risen Savior who was God in the flesh. Jesus, the Messiah, the great I Am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth. And friends, as we've looked at this story, as we see in the Gospels, as we look at what is recorded in the Acts, that over 500 people saw, felt, touched, and heard the same thing. Jesus was alive. Friends, what I want to tell you is this. As we look at this story, it's sort of the main idea of what I'm driving at this morning for all of us to see and worship and recognize And that is simply this, that the resurrection of Jesus from the grave is the entire basis for our hope. And without it, we are lost and therefore without hope. Friends, you want an affront to the Christian faith, then disprove the resurrection. But you want to recognize indeed that we worship a risen king. Look at the physical, verbal, and visual evidence that is all throughout the scriptures. Look at the fact that if there was a conspiracy theory that the authors messed it up terribly when Jesus first went to women to try to establish this account. But if it is true, if it has occurred as was said, as we see here, then perhaps indeed we worship a risen Savior. Why? Why is it so important to have a risen Savior? Friends, the reason it is important to have a risen Savior is because without Him, we are dead in our sins. The resurrection is what brings us life. The resurrection is what brings us hope. The resurrection is what brings us salvation. And friends, what I'll tell you is this. If we're fine and we're good and Jesus simply exists to make us better, 
to reorient our already good life, to redirect our already established moral compass, then why did he have to die and rise from the grave? But friends, if we're dead in our sins, unable to save ourselves, if there is no means by which we can get to God, if there is no means of righteousness or justification of ourselves, only through the sacrifice of the Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah because he died on the cross and rose from the grave just as was prophesied. Then all to him we owe. Friends, the resurrection is what brings hope. But understanding what our hope is, is knowing that without Jesus, we are dead in our sins and destined for eternal damnation apart from him. That's the hope that we have today. That's the blessing that we have in our Savior Jesus Christ. That's what Christ did on the cross so that we may have life. I said it earlier, I said it last Sunday. The whole reason Jesus came to this earth was because he was on a mission. And that mission was the cross. And the cross is what killed. But the resurrection is the proof that Jesus overcame sin and death. And Jesus offers that to all who will believe. And when we believe... Friends, even though we die, we too receive eternal life and will be resurrected to live with him throughout eternity in heaven. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. So lovingly this morning, I want to ask you this. We have wrestled today about the discussion between the Jesus of history and Jesus as the risen Savior. Who is he to you? Is he a man? Is he a prophet? Is he a moral teacher? Who do you say Jesus is? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6, 35. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the gift of life. John 8, 12. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. And finally, in light of our resurrection, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The most important thought 
you will ever think is what you think about God. Because it will determine every aspect of your existence. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much that we can worship a risen Savior. Father, thank you for the hope that we have that Christ is no longer in the grave, but just as was said, Christ being fully God and fully man came to this earth and his purpose was the cross. The cross is what he was crucified upon, being perfectly blameless, to being sinless, because he was willing to take upon our sin, which has separated us from the holiness of God. Father said, Son, go and be crucified, so that those whom don't know you, those whom don't want you, will have eternal life. And Jesus said, Not my will be done, but thy will be done, Father. And as he hung on the cross, scorning its shame, as those who were angered at him yelled out, crucify, crucify, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And as we have discovered in Good Friday, at the moment that Jesus had paid for the sins of mankind, at the moment that that was atoned for, Jesus says, it is finished. And being fully in control, being God in the flesh, victorious over sin and death, he gave up his spirit and entrusted it to the Father. Satan rejoiced, thinking he had won. Satan didn't realize that Sunday was coming. Three days later, Christ rose from the grave just as he said. Showed himself, spoke, and was touched physically by hundreds. Demonstrating indeed that the mission that Christ had come for, which was to bring us back to God, holy and redeemed and righteous because of him, had been accomplished. Father, what a blessing that is. What a great hope we have. We know in scriptures that Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and at a time only the Father's knows will come to judge both the living and the dead. Father, we await that time with joyous excitement and anticipation. But Lord, until that day comes, help us to labor for you. Father, for all of us here, may we recognize that Easter isn't some just cute story about Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. It's about the resurrection of a Savior. A Savior who is willing to go to the cross and die upon it so we all who are in desperate need of salvation because of our sin can have it because we are dead in it and there is no means by which we can get it. Yet that which gives us life is Jesus, our risen Savior.
We thank you. We love you. We praise you. We ask these things in your name, dear Jesus, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.